0: Hey, welcome to night school. Welcome to the world stage. That's a funny saying. I've always been amused by that saying. The world stage. Welcome to the world stage. He's going out there. He's out on the world stage. Because I don't know what it actually means. You know, does it mean... Is it one of those things like, all the world's a stage? Which, you know, it's true. Is is it referring to the, the grand... Overall performance that is life, which kind of fits in with what I was riffing on recently. You know, the eternal LARPness of being, the eternal LARPing of being, the eternal live action role playing of being. That's sort of the same idea the idea that all the world's a stage and not very profound. I mean, a million people have said it a million different ways, but it, there's some truth to it. And then you uh, you fight it, and you're like, I'm not going to LARP anymore. I don't LARP anymore. You know, uh, I, I have a new identity. I, I have a much, instead of just LARPing all the time, you know, you think about a place like Burger King, and, you know, everyone kind of realizes that people at jobs are playing a role, a role, that came out, we were a role. Everyone's playing a role. You um, kind of, We all kind of accept that. I mean, I feel like even people who aren't thinking too much about life kind of understand that not everybody at their jobs wants to be there. And people at Burger King don't choose to wear that little visor and that uniform. And customer service people don't choose to talk the way they do. Oh, I went into Burger King, and you wouldn't believe it. You would not believe it. Everybody there was LARPing. Everybody who worked there was a LARPer. It's true, though. I mean, we don't think about that. We see, you know, people dressed in anime outfits at conventions, cosplayers. And it's like, oh, those are a bunch of cosplayers, because they chose to wear that. They chose to play those characters. They chose to wear those uniforms. You know, even Civil War reenactors. It's like those guys are cosplayers. Yeah, we prefer the term reenactor. No, you're you're cosplayers. You're cosplaying, you know, uh, the worst aspects of existence. (laughs) Uh, You know, you're not being an anime character. You know, that's an amazing, there's that book Confederates in the Attic, which is about the guy who meets the uh, Civil War reenactors. And it was amazing reading about the guys who actually starve themselves and and achieve that level of starvation, bloatation, whatever you want to call it, where they they starve themselves so severely that they actually bloat out from their body, just destroying itself. There's guys who do that so that they can be that much more accurate in their Civil War reenactments. Uh, It's been a long time since I read that book, but I remember it being good. Uh, And they even snuggle with each other because that was something that guys did during the Civil War when it was very cold at night. The guys would basically, like... Create like a, a giant chain of spoons. I guess you could call it. You know, people spoon. Uh, they like to. They, people like to spoon, uh, and uh, so the guys would spoon together in the trenches, and big long lines of uh, of men spooning with each other. And the Civil War re- reenactors do that as well. So they starve themselves and they spoon. Oh, so you want to be a real Civil War reenactor. You want, to, you want to LARP with us? You want to cosplay? We do more than just cosplaying. We do LARPing in these reenactments, and that means a lot of spooning and a lot of starving. It's true, though. Guys do that. Uh, the Burger King, though, the Burger King employees, they don't go that far. They got all those burgers around. They don't need to starve themselves. Uh, but they're still cosplayers. You know, I went to Burger King, and it was just filled with cosplayers. They're getting paid to do it that's my dream is getting paid to cosplay but it's a pretty easy idea all the world's a stage everything we do is performative. we're just playing a bunch of roles we're just playing a bunch of roles or as I like to say identities we're clinging on to these identities and sometimes we're forced to do them because our jobs make them do you know our jobs make us put on that visor and go to Burger King and you know and our uh, our sense of uh, interests We love anime so much that we got to dress up like the characters and go to the conventions. And then you can go, oh, well, you know what? I've just realized that everything is one. I'm enlightened now. I've achieved enlightenment and ego death, and I've realized that, you know, we don't live in a non-dual world, and I'm a part of everything. There's not a world stage. All the world's not a stage because I am the world stage. And then you realize, uh, you know, you, you sit with that for a minute and be like, oh, I've, I've just achieved this, this new state of understanding where, you know, I'm no longer doing all these things with my ego and with, you know, uh, I'm, I'm no longer a cosplayer. I'm no longer a LARPer because I'm just one with God. I'm one with the universe. It's, it's this non-dual existence. And then you realize that that's the ultimate form of LARPing. That's the ultimate form of cosplaying, is being one with everything. Where, and it's, and, and you think you've lost your ego, and then you realize that that's the most egotistical thing of all, is to think that you're one with everything. But at least it's humbling too. At least the whole non-dual, you know, uh, one with everything sort of idea that is a universal among you know most spiritual beliefs, religions, very common. Uh, at least that it's it's both grandiose, it's equally grandiose and incredibly humbling. And it's good when something does both of those to you that way. Uh, when it does both, it's like starving and uh, spooning. It does both. Oh, does being one with the universe? You know, does that mean you're going to be starving and spooning? Does role playing? Does LARPing? Does, cos- does LARPing as a as As one with the universe? Does LARPing as one universal entity involve starving and spooning? It turns out it does. It feels a lot like both. All the grandiosity of uh, an endless chain of soldiers spooning together in a pit, and all the humility of starving. That's what it feels like to be one with everything, the ultimate LARPing. I'm larping as the world's stage. Uh but I don't know if that always means all the world's a stage cuz sometimes it's used like he set out to to put himself on the path to the world stage. Sometimes I th- I think it just refers to fame. It refers to somebody who is seeking, you know, the literal stage. Where he's seeking the world stage. He's he's seeking celebrity. He's seeking fame. And so sometimes I think it is used that way. Maybe it's tends to be maybe it's maybe that's what the phrase actually refers to is fame. He set out upon the world stage. And uh, you know, what I like about other, you know, what I like about the idea of not having just one giant stage. Is, like, I like the idea of, like, like sub-stages or uh, side-stages is what I mean. Like, kind of at a festival, how you have the main stage, and then you have the side-stages. I like the idea of, you know, having stages that have a purpose. Things are less annoying that way. You know, I like it, you know, when you go to a place and there's a stage, a literal physical stage in front of you, you can't get mad if somebody starts doing something on the stage, especially if they're scheduled to do it. You know, if you go to a place, and even if it's an open mic or something, or uh, anything like that, because I used to get kind of pissed off, like, if I was at a bar that had a stage, because I didn't like to be around live music. You know, if I'm going out to, like, a show, the rare occasion where I'm actually going to a show, sure, like, I want to see the show, but I'm not one of those people who, like, just out of circumstance, like, gets excited about live music, because, you know, I actually hate music, (laughs) Uh Uh, But, uh, you know, I'd be out at like a bar and suddenly oh, I didn't know a a show was happening tonight and it would just let's get out of here. I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, live music. I'm here to check out the live local music. Uh, Did you know there's live music tonight? Uh, I'm not one of those people. So in my drinking days, if I was out at a bar and the. You know, and music showed up. You know, that that entity, that nefarious, poisonous entity called music showed up unexpected. I wanted to get out of there. I want to hear my converse. I want to hear my annoying, rambling conversations. Uh, But uh, what do they think? This is the world stage or something? I'm here at this bar just drinking, trying to talk a little bit, and someone, they think this is the world's stage. But no, you can't get too mad at that. You can't get mad if there is a stage in a room and someone uses it. Because I like that idea of, like, a purpose. That thing has a purpose, and you know people are going to get up on it. And if you're mad at people for getting up on a stage, like, even if they suck, it doesn't really matter what, you know, you don't have the right to be mad about that. You, You can't be mad if you're at a place and there is a clear structure intended to serve a certain purpose, and people use it for that purpose. You can't get mad at that. Although people do. I mean, I, I'm just talking about how I used to get mad at it, being like, how dare that musical stage be used for music on this night when I chose to be here. But some people don't like it just out of you know envy or jealousy or just wrath, because I don't like the idea of... Everyone's just jealous. Everyone's just jealous. They're envious of you. The reason they don't want you on the stage is they're jealous. They're envious. Because that's true. People do get jealous and envious of people who are, you know, performing, even performing well. But that doesn't, you know, explain the whole of it. You know, there's a lot of, you know, we're still existing in the realm of the seven deadly sins here. But I know for me, it's like I wasn't mad at someone being on stage out of jealousy or envy. It was wrath. It was just pure wrath. (laughs) It was just like, how how dare they get up there because I'm annoyed. You know, those things bleed into each other. Like people who are jealous and envious do become wrathful as a result, whether it's toward like the other thing, or whether it's toward themselves. I mean, sometimes that's what people do when they're jealous or envious. They're, like, mad at themselves. Like, why can't, can't I do that? Why can't I do that? I'm t- I'm, I wish my self-esteem was higher. You know, sometimes that's what people do. They're not, they're not so much mad at the target. They're mad at themselves when they're jealous or envious. But sometimes they do say, who does he think he is? And I wonder how much of that actually happens you know, like every fucking celebrity or musician or performer is always like, not everyone, but you. it's a common story you hear where it's like, everyone told me I couldn't do it. And it's like, how many times does that actually happen? You know, and how much of that is just some internal thing? It reminds me of like, I remember seeing an interview with like Jennifer Aniston or something when I was growing up and she was like, you know, I was just so ugly in high school and nobody liked me. And then uh, they showed her high school picture and it's like hot, hot like obviously popular, (laughs) you know what I mean, it's like, you'll hear that from celebrities, and it's like, I was just really ugly, and nobody liked me, and then you see, it's like they were a cheerleader, and they were hot, and I don't know, I can't remember who was actually Jennifer Aniston, I hate to throw her under the bus, throwing Jennifer Aniston under the bus, oh, he's just throwing Jennifer Aniston under the bus again, (laughs) I'm pretty sure it was her, though, because I mean, I don't know. But it just reminds me of that, where it's like, it's the same idea as people being like, everybody told me I couldn't do it. They told me I was stupid and untalented and ugly. And here I am now, and I'm not stupid and I'm not untalented and I'm not ugly. Which that sort of is what people are communicating. They're sort of like, look at me now. Whenever they talk about how they used to be like this other way, it's always like, well, now I'm not that. So it's this weird, like, self-congratulatory thing, but all wrapped up in this, like, story of adversity. And you see that a lot. I mean, it's like a, the American Idol syndrome, whatever, where it's like you can't have a singer on American Idol, America's Got Talent, without some story of adversity. And we all like struggle. It's an important part of everyone's story. But I feel like it's become this necessity to, to anything where it's like we, you always have to have, and it's not just like a struggle, a story of adversity. It's not like, oh, he spent too much time thinking. He spent way too much time thinking and uh, not enough time singing. And look at this, now he's singing on the world stage. Because that's the world stage, American Idol. That's the closest we have to it, really, is those sorts of platforms, these widely watched popular shows that have a giant stage, um... Uh, But it's it's never something like you know he just he was he was experiencing an existential drought of motivation, and then he signed up for American Idol, and blew him away. You know it's never that it's always just like cancer, everyone hates them, missing a foot, starving and spooning in a pit. Now look at her. You know, it's always something like that, you know. So it's it's this sort of manufactured adversity and it's again what I was saying, you hear people talk about that celebrities will always have some sort of like everybody told me I couldn't do it. And I just wonder how much is that how much of that is just them assuming that. Kind of like the kind of the person almost like the kind of person who sees two people laughing and thinks oh they're they're obviously making fun of me. You know, it's that sort of uh, weird Damaged logic that we all are guilty of Where we just, we assume the worst Or it's like you walk by a stranger And like they don't, they're not smiling And you make eye contact And you're like, God, that guy scowled at me He scowled at me And and it's like, no, he just didn't smile It's literal projection As annoying as that word can be You're just projecting You know, there's so much projection in that way And I wonder how, how much someone's story of adversity is Just some sort of projection. Like, I feel ugly, therefore, I've interpreted everybody's actions as the actions people take toward an ugly person. I I think I'm ugly, therefore, everybody else thinks I'm ugly, which there's something to be said for that. You know, if you behave like an ugly person, people will kind of treat you that way. Uh, But I, I do feel like there is this like self manufactured adversity. Uh, But to get back to what I was saying about the idea of stages, I do like that there, you know, you know what you're going to get if there's a stage there. If there is a stage sitting there, it's like you can't be mad if someone gets up on it. And I like that idea, you know, with regards to everything, you know, like the idea of having like specially designated places where certain activities are tolerated or encouraged. And if you happen to be there at that time, you can't get mad. Because that's the great thing about a specially designated area is you don't have the right to get mad even though you probably will. And even though people will get mad, it's like they don't have the right to. And they're not justified in, in getting mad. And the world stage idea is sort of, I don't know, treating the whole world like a stage, you know, kind of means uh, it's kind of like taking the designation away from things. It's like, oh, well, I can do this. I can accost you and hold you hostage with my guitar in public because the whole world's a stage, uh, I can I can busk, you know, everywhere. Because the whole world's a stage, and uh, you know, I don't know. I'm not I'm not saying that people shouldn't do that or whatever. I'm not, you know. I guess the street is as good of a place as any. I don't know. I can't go too far with this thinking, but I do like the idea of specially designated places, and I, f- I feel like, you know, yeah, the, the world's a stage, but I feel like you should also respect, you should respect the the boundaries of things, and respect when something is specially designate, specifically designated for a certain purpose, you know. It's like the stage, a stage, you know, for performance, it's almost like a bulletin board, you know, where... You know, in the town square, there's a bulletin board, and you post your flyers there. Don't post them on people's doors. Don't post them, you know, anywhere you want. You put your flyer, you put your advertisement, you put your personal thing, your personal ad, your personal thing. Uh, You put your ad for recruiting Civil War reenactors with, you know, the heading, you know, starve and spoon. You know, you put that on the bulletin board in town. You don't just post it anywhere. I like that. I like the idea of ha- of bulletin boards in that way. And, of course, like, once something gets oversaturated, it, it's no longer useful. And, I mean, I think that's a good comparison, too, to the stage. Like, when too many people are getting on the stage, you know, it's like the performance just becomes a burden. Uh, and it's, you know, with a bulletin board, people will just ignore it. You know, it's like how many, like, little advertisements little flyers for like guitar lessons and you know lawn care do you need you know how many how many before you stop paying attention to the bulletin board and you know and who's to decide when you when something needs to be taken down who monitors the bulletin board who who polices it uh who who decides that you know that flyer for guitar lessons has been up there too long i'm taking it down And how long before someone goes, oh, you know what, that bulletin board isn't going to get me any clients, it's not going to get me any uh, customers, it's not going to get me any attention, so I'm going to put my flyer on a telephone pole. I have mixed feelings on flyering on telephone poles. On one hand, it's like they're not really being used for anything else, but at the same time, it's kind of audacious. It takes a little bit of hubris to decide, you know, the other places, the bulletin board in, in the town square, just not doing it. So I'm going to be the guy who puts something on a telephone pole. And then, it, and then you know, the, the logic kicks in of, you know, well, if you're so special, why doesn't everybody else put their ads on the telephone pole? And the, the telephone pole becomes the new bulletin board and gets oversaturated and you ignore it. But I do have mixed feelings, like... Because I think there's something actually aesthetically nice about just, like, one or two well-placed flyers on a telephone pole. I'm more likely to look at them than I am, you know, an actual bulletin board. Uh, But, uh... I don't know. There's something a little more appealing about it. I don't know what it is. Especially if it's it's neighborhood-oriented. Like, the idea of advertising a garage sale or a, a community event that pertains to the neighborhood. Like, we're all meeting, the, uh, the Neighborhood Commission is meeting, uh, the all-important Neighborhood Commission is meeting at the, the park, the neighborhood park, for a barbecue to discuss the politics of our neighborhood. And after the barbecue, uh, you know, we're all going to spoon, and those of us who don't eat are going to starve. Um, you know, that, things like that, things that are, like, not just local, but, like, actually involving, the, things that actually pertain to the community in which the flyer is being posted on the telephone pole. You know, that makes sense to me, and there's some value to that. It's like, uh, you know, people aren't going to see that if they look at the bulletin board, whereas if they look at the telephone pole across the street, they're going to find out about the barbecue. How else are you going to find out about the barbecue? But all that shit, just you know, the idea of uh, you know someone breaking off and being like, "I'm you know I'm not going to get the business I want from that oversaturated, uh, overfliered. It's it's too flyered. There's too many flyers on the bulletin board. The idea of breaking off and getting creative, because that's something you hear a lot, you know, and uh, you got to get creative. It's like you you start mowing lawns as a kid, and your dad's like. You got to you got to come up with a, a creative way of advertising yourself. You got to you got to go door to door in in a clown mask and then you and you know that that way you, they'll notice you. You got to get noticed. It's like the, the you know it's like survival is so ingenious but also humiliating and when you're trying to survive in a business sense, like the little tricks you try to do, like little marketing tricks, self-promotion are so soul-destroying and humiliating. And I mean, I think it's good to go through some of that. And, you know, some people have to do it more than others. It's like when someone, you know, gets sucked into a a multi-level marketing scheme and it's just so embarrassing and on one and it's sad on different levels. Like it's sad because it's like, oh, man, is this the only thing they can do to make money? Is this the only thing they can do to survive? Because that's sad because it's like it's sad that we live in a world where you have to reduce yourself to this, that you have to LARP this way, LARP this way. Uh, it's sad you know on that level but then it's also sad if it's totally voluntary and it's not something they're having to do for survival but just somehow they either got sucked in or just through some you know I don't know through some twisted path upon the world stage they just they got sucked into a multi-level marketing scheme and when you see that it's just it's sad no matter what it's never a happy thing it's never a good thing but there are so many other ways that that happens too, you know, and just when, when someone's really trying hard to promote something, whether, you know, it's self-promotion or anything, it could be a creative thing, it could, not you know, when it's something that like someone's trying to do just to survive, like I said, there's something almost noble about it, I don't want to call it noble, but almost obel. obel? <laughs> it's almost obel. <laughs> What do you think is the most profound word in the human language? Obel. Obel. It's obel. It's not quite noble. It's obel. Uh. <laughs> uh, but like, you know, just when, whenever someone's trying to promote something, it, it can be very obal. Uh, No, but when someone's doing it for survival, like when someone's trying to put food on the table, even if they're having to kind of LARP and humiliate themselves, they're having to don that Burger King visor and, you know, sell uh, sell that cheap jewelry out of their trunk. I don't know what it is, but, you know, there's something almost noble about it, even though it's humiliating. But it's like when someone's doing it totally voluntarily, that's different. When someone's like, are you coming to my show tonight? Hey everybody! I'm I'm providing this service. I'm doing a service for everybody. I'm actually I'm giving you a gift tonight, and it's called me playing an acoustic guitar at an open mic. And I hope all my friends come because if you don't come, I'm gonna remember. I'm gonna remember who didn't come to my open mic. And when I'm famous, I'm gonna talk about you. I'm gonna talk about you. I'm gonna say I I went I went through a lot of adver- adversity. And I had some friends who, you know, didn't behave very obely. They they weren't very obel. I had a lot of I had a lot of haters, and I thought they were my friends, but they said you can't you can't do it, you can't do it, uh, and uh, they didn't come to my open mics. No, but people they get really deep into this self promotion thing, and it's something I struggle with myself actually because. You know, it's easy when it's, like, you know, with drawing or something like that. It's easy just to be, like, here's this thing I did, and, you know, and here it is. Here it is. It's easy to do it when it's just, like, something like like a product, like, like just something that, you know, has, like, a little bow on it, an invisible little bow. Uh, It's very easy when it's something like that. But, for example, like, I don't know how to promote this show. And there's this part of me that would love to have more listeners, that would love to have... You know, not more fanfare, but just to know that it's getting out there a little bit more. But then there's this part of me that's like, I'm kind of glad it's not. Since I say a lot of shit on here, and sometimes I don't mean it, and sometimes I do. No, I, I, I try to mean most of what I say. I don't mean that. I don't mean that I don't mean what I what I mean. Uh, no, But, you know, obviously there's some things on here that could easily be taken out of context. Or even if they're in context, like there are certain things I say that, you know, very clearly could be... Um used against me in this current world and i'm I'm fine with that. I'm fine with somebody you know listening to this and taking offense uh but i hopefully they can let it go too uh but there's a part of me that um you know wouldn't necessarily want a larger platform. there's a part of me that wouldn't want this to actually be the world stage because you know people are just so nasty about words these days and uh ideas that you know there's a part of me that you know d- wouldn't want to be more established see that's just my uh that's my defense mechanism I don't I don't want to be famous see I don't want to be famous man but it's true you know there's there's a, there's a certain security in having just a little corner in in occupying a very small side stage uh surrounded in a chain link fence with barbed wire there's something very satisfying about that but there is a part of me too that you know it's like I do this I would like listeners. There's a part of me that like, you know, hopes that people tell their friends or something, but I also have no idea how to promote this uh, if I were to even want to. I wouldn't know like outside of just my own private social media accounts, you know, or something like that. I wouldn't. Where would you where would you go? You know, where would you go to tell people about your fucking little corner of the world where you talk? Uh, but, you know, anytime that I do attempt some, like, self-promotion, it doesn't seem very, it's not satisfying, and it, 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 it is sort of, uh, I don't know, it, it doesn't seem to have the intended effect anyway, so it's just, it is what it is, uh, but I do avoid, like, you know, self-promotion when possible, unless it's just, like, a something that has a neat little bow on it naturally, like, oh, this is something I did, and that kind of plays into another idea. We're talking about specifically designated places for things, and I think social media is great in that regard. And that's one reason why I'm not one of these anti-social media people. Uh, even though I do have issues with, the, you know, how it's used and the role it's currently playing uh, with people, I think the reason why I like the idea, and I always have, going back to the earliest days of it, is because it is a specially designated place. For you to basically promote yourself or to express certain things, it's like it, it is the place to be. Like, here's a picture of my kid. Here's what my here's the trip my family went on. Here's a photo of me. Here's here's the here's my oil por- portrait, aka a selfie. Here you know here's you know here's my drawing. Here here's what my band is doing. Here here's what uh, you know. It, it's a place where you do that, and the fact that people do experience so much resentment through it is an indictment on them it's an indictment on the person experiencing that resentment the person who looks at social media for example and goes why is he doing that why is he saying that who does he think he is who does does he think this is the world stage well it kind of is Social media kind of is the world stage. If we're looking for you know a meaning, if we're looking for a definition, it's a pretty uh, something literal and not completely abstract. It sort of is the world stage, and it is the place where you should do that. It is a bulletin board, and it's modeled after you know the early internet bulletin boards, except it you know it removed all the chronology. You know nothing is chronological like that. and those are the, I think those are the main criticisms I have of social media not to spiral into yet another social media observation episode but the two biggest problems I have with it are I I don't like that it's not strictly chronological and in the old like message board bulletin board days you know of course things got bumped but it was representative of activity and, you know, bumping is a is a great example. Like when someone would bump a thread, people would get mad because that is like some weird, often it would be out of some self-promotion. Like bump, not enough people saw my uh, my advertisement, not enough people thought about my post, so I'm going to bump this. And people would get mad about that, but people would also tolerate it because it's like, okay, you know, this is some sort of self-promotion thing, and there's something sort of, disgusting about you know bumping a thread in the message board days, but at least it was clear what was going on. you know it was whereas now with all these algorithms we don't really know what's going on. We don't really know what the the logic is, the literal the computer logic, the programming logic. the logic logic uh, we don't know what kind of starving and spooning is going on in the code. Uh, <laughs> uh but uh that's what it feels like that's what algorithms feel like to me a lot of starving and spooning in in a trench trench spooning but uh that's what i don't like about it is these algorithms that mess up the, the chronology cuz at least you know it, like i said in message boards it's not like everything was just organized like perfectly by when it was posted but Things would get, like, rearranged and and bumped up based on, you know, activity level in the thread, whereas that's not how things are seeming to work now, and these other ways of sorting things are just kind of fucked up and weird, and I don't think it's good. I think things should be as chronological as they possibly can on these platforms and the other thing i don't like is the like system or like thumbs up or the love whatever whatever like the platform is whatever the social media platform is the whole like like system for lack of a a more universal term the idea of like points and i mean you see that play out too on like sites like reddit which is like such a poor populist distortion of what was good about message boards and therefore sucks I really don't like... Granted, I go to it because it's become kind of the the, the de facto message board for all these different interests. Like, uh, you know, there are, like, you know, individual sections that are based on all kinds of nuanced interests, and those have replaced what used to be bulletin boards or message boards elsewhere on the Internet. Now everything's just been sucked into this, you know, Reddit black hole. So I, as much as I hate to even admit that, like, I do... I do recognize that that's where people go to discuss, you know, a lot of uh, specific topics, you know, and so I'll use it for stuff like that, like the NFL section, you know, that's, I mean, it's the best place to go to get NFL news or to read discussions of the NFL and, and for all kinds of nerdy interests as well. Uh, which itself is a testament to, you know, the the value that that site does have, as much as I'm talking shit, like the fact that you can go there to have, you know, I mean, not to say the discussions are great, but still, it's a place to go to read about the NFL, probably the best place you can go to, in my opinion, uh, yeah, barring not reading anything, because sometimes that's the better option. Uh, but, you know, you can also read about incredibly nerdy or esoteric interests on there. So it, it is like a pretty, you know, wide net, uh, you know, that it casts, but I, I just don't like that whole system of voting things, and it, it reminds me exactly, it's like of this like system on other sites or this heart system, and that to me has really fucked up the essence of these platforms where, you know, things aren't chronological and they're weighted, both like their weight, you know, people, it, it's created this false value system where it's like, I don't know. I don't even want to go into it any further. I think it speaks for itself. But, you know, I'm a comment guy, you know, and uh, I I, I like the idea of you give something credit or you give something like I, I think investing your time into something by saying something is a much greater representation of its value than just clicking on something. And uh, I I just, I don't know, I I think I'd have to think about it more before I really made it some great point about, you know, why I don't like it or what's wrong with it. But it just, it's a gut level thing for me. Like when they, when that first was, when that was a new thing, I mean, like when I first got on Facebook like 12 years ago or whatever, you know, I didn't use that. I refused to like like things. I would only comment. And I don't really comment on things much anymore because I don't really, I don't need somebody to like my comment, you know, but. Uh, I I am someone who values comments more, and that's something I miss is the days when you either are okay with the fact that nobody's saying anything because they don't need to or they don't want to, and somebody can mentally enjoy something without having to say something or acknowledge—because it's what it is. It's an acknowledgement button. I know I've referred to it on here before. It's an acknowledgement button, and it doesn't actually mean someone enjoys it or likes it at all. It could just be— They they want to impress that person. They want that person to. It's a remind. I think that's how it's used a lot of the time. Where it's like, this is a reminder that I like you. And people use it in this, you know, in the the world of uh, the world of penises and vaginas. You know, it's it's used as a way of signaling that it's like, oh, you know, he liked my post. She liked my. Oh, dude, did you see this, dude? Dude, she liked my fucking post, man think like if she likes two more of my posts i'm going to get up the the nerve to ask her out if she likes two more of my posts then i know that she's she's signaling something man who needs nature when we got this uh but you know it's come a, it, it's it has become a weird like evolutionary signaling Thing and it goes beyond just like liking the content of an of a post or an image, and into this weird psychological, sociological. Like you're communicating a lot more with that, and it's fascinating. But I, I don't really like it for various reasons, and, and I feel like it's taken away from the content because, as you know, in that way because people are using it to signal something other than the actual content they're seeing to signal you know some sort of reaction to the or acknowledgement of the content because it does go so much deeper and i mean i mean maybe you could say that about anything it's like someone who cheers you know someone who's who's watching someone perform on stage someone who goes to their friend's open mic you know and cheers you know maybe they're signaling something more than just what they're seeing on stage. Or, you know, if the girl you like is an aspiring singer-songwriter, she went to Lilith Fair last year and now she's inspired and she's performing. And it's a good open venue to go and show that you uh, have an interest in her without being too invested, without going and, like, putting a flyer on her doorstep to tell her you like her. You can go to her open mic and, ch- and, and clap. And she might look out into the crowd and see you clapping and, and know that you approve of her. So, I mean, really, it's like what I don't like about the like system or the acknowledgement system on these social media platforms is something that we do just as humans in general. And I don't know if I really have the right to like or dislike something that is so integrated in our being. You know, the idea that our behavior is so pure that it's always reflective of the thing that we're pretending we're reacting to. I don't know. I could go on forever about that, and I need to think about it more before I really say anything. But needless to say, on these like these sites, whether it's like these social media sites, whether it's like this poor populist imitation of a message board called Reddit, anything like that, I don't like the way that things are. Like the chronology is fucked up, and I don't like the idea of basically voting or acknowledging things with the click of a button. I don't like the idea of whatever, however, that's weighted. I don't trust it, and I and it is open to a lot of abuse, from what I gather. You know, obviously there are like robots that like things, or people there are like people would call them. I don't know what they'd call them, like farms. You know, that's a term you hear in this new digital world. It's like they're bot farms. They got they got a Russian bot farm liking all the posts. They're not organic. They're not organic likes. You know, it's true though, and that's another reason to not trust that stuff. It's another reason to not trust that stuff. But that idea of getting creative back to self-promotion, and, like, you know, it's like that dad who's like, you gotta go, if you wanna if you wanna make enough money to buy that, uh you know, the new Nintendo, you know, you gotta come up with a creative way to promote your lawn mowing business, son. And that's, like, the worst pressure to feel in the world. Like, I've only ever felt that, like, growing up on sports teams, like, having to go door-to-door selling... I don't even, I mean, I think I sold, like, chocolate bars, and I ended up selling, like, I had, like, a wealthy neighbor who liked sports or something, and I remember, like, he helped me out big time, so I didn't have to go to as many houses, or you just sell to family members, it was back to multi-level marketing, I mean, they get kids into that early, we're not gonna get jerseys, we're not gonna get our names on the back of our jerseys, if we don't sell these candy bars, it's all multi-level marketing, but... You know, when people try to get creative with their self-promotion, which is why, like, commercials are so hard to watch. Like, whenever there's an agenda, I know I talk about that, but it's just, like, the second you know an agenda is being communicated, it's like you can't enjoy, I can't enjoy whatever it is they're doing. Like, I can't enjoy a joke on a commercial because I know it's like black magic, but a poor imitation, I keep saying a poor imitation. My language has become a poor imitation of a poor imitation. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's like it's just like a sad, pathetic version of black magic when you watch TV because it's just like here's a joke. Hope you buy it, you know. And it's just I don't know. I, I refuse to acknowledge, let alone laugh at something on a TV commercial but it's like when someone starts doing that on an in, on an individual level when they're trying to be like clever and it's like and you can't blame them cuz they're just trying to get by they're trying to survive in so many cases but it's still it's still sad but sometimes it makes you mad and i think it's okay to get mad at it sometimes too i think a great example you know talking about the person who thinks that the bulletin board isn't good enough for them the real physical bulletin board uh, and it's one thing to like post flyers on a telephone pole or do something like that. Uh, you know, some people will like mail flyers out. Some people will put a flyer on your doorstep, and that sucks. I mean, I nobody likes to like open their front door and have like a pa- a pamphlet a pamphlet, an obel pamphlet. This is the obel pamphlet. No, nobody wants to have a pamphlet pamphlet uh, fall down under their feet. I mean. You know, I mean, I wonder if there's anybody who just you know assumes there's that pamphlet, or they just psychically know there's a pamphlet uh, on their door, and they just they open the door, and in one smooth move, like stop it from falling to the ground. Because I think that's the most annoying thing about opening your door to a pamphlet is that you inevitably are going to have to bend the fuck over and pick it up. But I know of something much worse that you have to bend over and pick up, and I know someone else who thinks that they're way better than whatever, you know. designated area there is to promote yourself, and it's this fucking guy in this town, he runs a lawn care business, and he doesn't hit this neighborhood, I don't think, but in my last house that I I moved out of about a year ago, he would hit that neighborhood all the time, and he would put up a, a, he, he takes like a little tiny plastic Ziploc bag, it's like just the size of a business card, and he has his business card in there, and a rock, and he throws them on people's lawns and driveways. And I'd go for walks, and you just see these on every fucking driveway, every sidewalk. They would just get, like, moved around, jostled around. So I didn't know what they were at first. I was like, why the fuck is there a little rock in a bag in front of everybody's house? And finally I looked, and it had a business card for lawn care. And one time I think I actually saw him driving around doing it. Uh, and god damn, you know, that's, that's so bad. On multiple levels, because it's like you're not just littering, you're not just throwing plastic and paper around, but it's like, and what the fuck does it even represent? Like, I know there's the whole, like, rock on your lawn thing, it's, yeah, it's just, it's bad, and, like, you know how bad a rock looks in a Ziploc bag? Like, that's just not an aesthetically valuable Object, a rock in a plastic bag. Like it's one thing if someone's like collecting rocks and they have a big old Ziploc bag filled with rocks, just kind of depressing too. Like the idea of a big z- clear Ziploc bag filled with rocks. Like if you're gonna collect rocks, just gray rocks because that's what the guy uses. Uh, I would hope you have like a canvas bag or something that gives you at least like some even false sense of mysticism, (laughs) you know, when you're going about it. Like at least hopefully it's a cloth bag or a canvas bag, but a clear plastic bag. Like even if you're collecting rocks, clear Ziploc is not the way to go. So the idea of these tiny little uh these tiny little bags, they're just like I said, they're like they're Ziploc bags, but they're the size of a business card. And they're big enough to fit a rock in too. The idea that this guy goes around and throws those around and he probably thinks he's so clever. He's like, here's an idea. And I wonder how much business he gets. I really wonder like how many people are anything except angry. I mean, there's probably some guy who thinks about it and he's just like, you know, I got to give him some credit. I got to give him some credit. He's thinking outside the box. He went to marketing class. He went to marketing class at the local community college where they they taught him how how to do that. They told him, you know, if you're going to market your business locally, you need a little bag of tricks. And he took them literally, and he he made a bunch of little bags of rocks, and he throws them around. I respect that. I respect that kind of American ingenuity. You know, there's probably someone who thinks that way, but I can't help but imagine almost everybody who sees that fucking rock in a bag on their driveway or lawn wants to kill that guy. They want to kill that guy. Uh, I wonder what his Yelp looks like. I never, in, I never think about Yelp. I don't use uh, I don't follow the Yelp prophecy. I don't look at it. I've never posted anything on it. But if anybody deserves a negative Yelp review, it's that guy throwing rocks, little rocks around in little bags, and. I mean, he probably knows he's being annoying. If he has any self awareness at all, he probably knows what he's doing is annoying but he probably thinks that it's going to get him business, and maybe it does. Maybe there are people who actually are like, you know what, I'm going to go to that, I need my lawn mowed, and uh, you know, little Jimmy down the street who goes door to door and you know guilts us into letting, letting him uh, mow our lawn. You know, he's not doing a great job around the edges. Little Jimmy ain't doing, he, ain't, he literally ain't cutting it no more. So you go to the rock guy, and here I am, I'm pretty much promoting him here. I'm pretty much promoting him by even talking about it cuz that's the whole logic behind that where even if you even if someone's like promoting themselves and they know they're being annoying they're like well at least people are talking about me at least people are talking about me at least people are thinking you got to you got to plant that seed you got to plant that rock in the driveway at least they're talking about you that's a whole logic in our in our culture where like if people are talking about you, you're doing something right, and it's sometimes that's true, not always, not always for sure, and I can't help but think that this rock guy is hurting himself more than anything, but maybe that's his job. Maybe he doesn't actually mow lawns and it's some sort of prank, it's some sort of persistent it's a tantric exercise is what it is. He's uh, defiling people's lawns as some sort of, uh, to, to experience some kind of transcendental state. Transcendental. Oh, is that, are you in one of those transcendental states? I don't know. I mean, it's a clear example of a guy who'd be better off starving and spooning. You know what? Instead of throwing those rocks on people's driveways, you'd be better off starving and spooning. But no, that's an example. That's the best example I could come up with is someone who needs to stick with the fucking bulletin board. And you know what? If he, like, thumbtacked a a bag, with a plastic bag with a rock in it to a bulletin board, people are going to look at it. I would have respect for that. I would notice that. I'd be like, whoa, what's, what's that rock doing in a bag? It's still kind of depressing because it's a rock in a plastic bag. And there's no aesthetic value to that. But it's kind of interesting that he tacked it up to this board. I wonder what that's all about. So, you know, he'd be better off doing that. Everybody would be better off. Stick to the designated area, dude. What do you think? This is the world stage and you're performing your tantric exercises by throwing rocks into people's driveways. You know, that's where the world stage ends is at someone's driveway. Uh, You know, and that's what we need to tell all the burglars out there, all the thieves, you know, I understand you're just LARPing as a thief. I understand you're just LARPing as a burglar. But the world stage ends at someone's driveway. Uh, so don't go throwing uh, rocks and plastic bags around. Because the thing is, is you just like a pamphlet, you have to bend down and do something with that. And what was so disturbing is that people didn't really pick them up or didn't notice them. Or something, because those rocks would sit out and people on the sidewalks. They would they would start out in someone's driveway or on their lawn, and they would get like kicked around, and then they'd end up on the sidewalk. So you just have this sidewalk punctuated with those little rocks, and uh, it's all probably someone didn't want to bend over and pick it up. They're just like, I don't want to touch that. I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to think about that thing, because I mean, who wants to throw that out? I mean, while it deserves to go in the garbage, I mean, have you, have you ever thrown a rock in the garbage? This just sucks. Rocks don't belong in a garbage can. And so not only is that guy doing something that's annoying and disturbing in and of itself by putting the rock in the plastic bag, which itself is a disgraceful act, but he's also putting them on your driveway, which is even more disgraceful, and then he's forcing you to, to throw a rock in a garbage can, which should never happen. That should never happen, throwing a rock in a garbage can um, especially in a plastic bag, like like a rock inside of a plastic bag going in a garbage can. But I like to imagine that one of his victims, and they are victims, are very forward thinking, and that in disposing of that poor attempt, that poor imitation, here we go. It's just my, I can't stop saying it. That poor imitation of a creative marketing idea. Instead of uh, just throwing the whole thing out, I hope that they remove the rock from the little bag and put it where rocks are meant to go. Kind of like someone saving a spider from their house, like where you scoop up the spider and then you let it outside. I hope that someone who does dispose of that little promotional technique, that little self-promote, whatever that fuck you want to call it, it's a rock in a bag let's call it that that's all we're gonna call it is a it's a fucking rock in a bag i hope that somebody who disposed of it decided to take the rock out and put the rock in their yard put the rock somewhere where rocks belong because rocks certainly don't belong in a plastic bag and i hope they then threw that little plastic bag out as well as the business card. And, and even if they did something else, maybe they used the, They were like, oh, you know what? I could probably use this business card-sized plastic bag for something, for my drugs. Uh, you know, I could use it for something. Maybe they even recycled or reused that. But the point is, is that business card is the only thing that truly deserves to be in the trash. Certainly not the rock, but I bet a lot of rocks have fallen victim and been thrown in trash cans where they don't belong. A weird place for a rock, which is a good statement I don't know if I've ever heard that before that's a weird place for a rock on the world stage someone's done that put a rock on a stage that's where the that's what belongs on the the world stage is just a, just a rock, just a small little rock not too big of a rock, just a small rock. Toss that up on the world stage. I see a land where children can run free so terrible